I'll tell you, entrepreneurs make a huge mistake with this. They get the strategy before the vision. Vision always, and I mean always, comes first. The vision is the what. The strategy is the how. The how doesn't make sense till you know where you want to go. And at the beginning, you're probably not going to see the strategy. It's not going to be clear to you. If you start uh, throttling back your vision because the only path you can see is, you know, the size of the email list you have. And you just you just think, oh, I, I couldn't do that because I don't have a big enough email list or I don't have a big enough social oh. media platform. Okay. And forget all that because the right vision will attract the right strategy. It'll attract the right resources. But until you have the vision, none of that, none of that stuff's going to show up. I'm Amy Porterfield, ex-corporate girl turned CEO of a multi-million dollar business. But it wasn't all that long ago that I lacked the confidence, money, and time to focus on growing my small but mighty business. Fast forward past many failed attempts and lessons learned, and you'll see the business I have today, one that changes lives and gives me more freedom than I ever thought possible, one that used to only exist as a daydream. I created the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're an ambitious entrepreneur or one in the making who's looking to create a business that makes an impact and helps you create a life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Let's pretend that you and I are in my kitchen right now and we're just sitting at the kitchen table drinking a cup of coffee. That would be really fun, by the way, right? And I looked at you and I asked, what is your vision for your business and your life? What would you tell me? Would you be able to just rattle it off like, boom, here it is? Or would you kind of stumble over your words just a little bit? I ask because when I left my corporate job and I started my online business, I thought that my vision for my business and for my life was crystal clear. In my head, it made sense. But when somebody asked me about my vision, it came out all jumbled. Like I couldn't make it into words. And then I realized maybe it's not so clear in my head because every time someone asked me, I wasn't able to communicate it. Now, what if I told you that A, in order to create the life and business you want, you must have a clear vision that you can communicate. And B, my guest today, will help you find that clarity and give you the tools you need to bring your vision to life. Would you be interested? Well, I sure hope so, because my guest today is Mr. Michael Hyatt. Michael is not only a best-selling author, but also one of the most successful entrepreneurs I know. His business was featured in Inc. 5000 as one of the fastest-growing private companies after experiencing 300% growth in just three years. And he's released yet another phenomenal book called The Vision Driven Leader. Now, today, Michael is going to talk about creating a vision, and he really maps out the entire process in his book. I highly recommend you get your hands on his book. We're going to talk today about creating a vision even when you're just starting out, even when it's just you in your business. This is something I wished I did from the beginning, but it was years into my business until I got clear on my vision. So I really want you to pay close attention to how you can use 
use the strategy of creating a vision in your business right now, no matter if you're just starting out or if you've been at it for a while. I'm most excited about this interview because Michael and Gail, his wife, are dear friends uh, to Hobie and I. And as you guys know, Hobie and I, one of our very favorite vacations is Blackberry Farm in Tennessee. We've been several times and most of the times that we've been, it's been with Michael and Gail. So we've done just friend vacations together and They are some of my most cherished memories. So I love Michael like he is family, and I'm so excited that you all get to hear from him because he's been on the show a few times, but when it comes to vision, this guy has got it down. So one, go get his book. Two, listen up because I think you're going to love this episode. All right. I won't make you wait any longer. Let's get to it. My brand voice guide is my business's North Star when it comes to keeping all my business content and marketing content clear, consistent, and inviting. That's why I created the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner, which is a free resource to help your business experience the same as mine. So all you have to do is plug in your business details into the given outline that I've created that has all the essential components of a brand voice guide. So you don't even have to pay to get it created like I did. You can plug in your information and you'll be well on your way to having a cohesive voice across all brand assets. And I've even shared my own brand voice guide with you so you can use it as a reference as you craft your own. It's like having a mentor right by your side. So go to amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide to grab your copy of the brand voice guide outline you wish you had sooner. And I can promise you, you're going to elevate your brand instantly. That's amyporterfield.com forward slash voice guide. Michael, as always, I am so thrilled to have you here today to chat all about the vision driven leader. So first of all, congrats on your book. It must feel so great to have that out there in the world. It does. I'm so excited about it. And thank you for having me on again. Of course. I I love to have you on the show. And I truly feel that every entrepreneur or those dreaming of becoming an entrepreneur need to read this book. So tell me this, what's the story behind this book? What inspired you to write it? Well, I think one of the things I've realized in working with entrepreneurs and business owners is that when you don't have a vision, it can have serious practical consequences. You know, you can spend a lot of resources pursuing things, you know, God knows what, and not really have the outcome that you're after. In fact, according to the Department of Commerce, a million businesses will be started this year in the U.S. Of those million, 80% of those will fail within the first five years. Of those that Uh. survive, the 20% that survive, 80% of those will fail. Amy, this is what that means. You have a 4% chance of your business surviving 10 years. And I really think the difference is having clarity of vision so that you've got the ability to filter opportunities, stay focused, consolidate your resources, and accelerate your growth toward that desired future. Okay. So I know that you've said that a vision is more than just a mission statement. And I feel that many of my listeners might be thinking that they're actually the same thing. And I just want to make sure that my listeners know the difference and really understand what their vision should look like. Because also, Michael, I want you to know, I have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs that listen to this Mm -hmm. show as well. So can you kind of break down the difference between the two? Sure. So a mission is generally a pretty short 
kind of statement that you can regurgitate from memory. It defines what a business is, while a vision describes where it's going. So a mission is here, but a vision is still out there. A mission is a mission is brief, but a vision is robust. So for example, at Michael Hyatt and Company, our mission statement, I can quote it from memory, it says that we help successful but overwhelmed high achievers focus, get the focus they need to win at work and succeed at life. You know, that's what gets us up out of bed in the morning. That's what we do every day. That's what kind of shapes our work. But the vision is a much more robust document. And a lot of people get this confused because they think of a vision about the future as some kind of statement that some clever, brief thing that they can slap on a coffee mug or put on a T-shirt. No, it's not that. It's going to be more robust than that. A vision uh, script is what I call it. And this is going to be basically a clear, inspiring, practical, attractive picture of your organization's future three to five years in the future. And the document itself, the vision script is going to be three to five pages long. Okay. Say your mission statement again. We help successful, overwhelmed high achievers get the focus they need to win at work and succeed at life. Okay. So if that is your mission statement without having to, of course, read the whole vision script, how again is that vision? Does that vision pick up for where the mission leaves off or does it dive deeper? Let me give you a concrete example of where I first came up with this. Okay. So back in the year 2000, I was given responsibility for one division of Thomas Nelson Publishers, 14 book publishing divisions. What I didn't know at the time when I said yes, this division was dead last in every significant metric. We were the slowest growing division in the company. In fact, we were shrinking. We were the least profitable division in the company. In fact, we had lost money the previous year. And as you can imagine, staff morale was at an all-time low. So the the CEO of the company said to me, he said, how long is it going to take you to turn this division around? Because frankly, it's a drag on the entire company. So I didn't really have a clue, but I just pulled a number out of the air and I said, I think it's going to take about three years. He thought about it for a minute and he said, well, that sounds reasonable to me. You got it. So the first thing I did was I booked a complete day to get off site and just think deeply about what I wanted, what I wanted, where I wanted to see this go. And I'd been super influenced by Stephen Covey and his book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Habit number two, he says, begin with the end in mind. So when I got at that offsite, I pulled out a piece of paper and I had my financials with me and I had the org chart and I had some other documents. So I knew pretty much where we were, but I said, what do I want to see three years from now? And so I kind of stepped into the future with my imagination and I began to write down what I imagined. And I did it in the present tense. And I'll give you some examples. And at the time, this was pretty rudimentary, but I just wrote down as a series of bullets the reality that I wanted to see come to pass. So, for example, I said, we publish five New York Times bestsellers per year. And at that time, we didn't have any bestsellers. So this was really a bigger, better future. Then I said, I want to publish 48 books a year. At the time, we were publishing 120 books a year, which was a tremendous number of books. The staff was worn out, our resources were spread too thin, and we just weren't doing a very good job of marketing. So I said, let's cut the list of books that we publish by more than half and really focus our energy and our effort to make each book as successful as we can. Then I said, another point I said, is that I want uh, all of our staff people, all of our team to max out their bonus opportunities because I knew if they had a financial incentive related to the future, they'd be more engaged in trying to create it. So I had 10 of those bullet points. I went back to the team after that, and and here was the conversation. I said, hey, guys, I've been thinking about the future. 
I've written some things uh, down in terms of what I want to see, but this is just a rough draft. You know, I need your help to make it better because I've, I've probably missed some things. Some things need tweaked, but I need your input to make this really robust so that it can be a future that we can all work collectively towards creating. So they rolled up their sleeves. And this, again, was just my inner circle, not the entire division of the company, just the inner circle. And I was beginning to transfer the ownership. I didn't come down like, you know, Moses from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. <laughs> this was a rough draft. And so we worked on it. We came up with this vision. We rolled it out to the entire division. Everybody got super excited because nobody likes losing and we were losing. So everybody got excited about working toward this future. But here's the, the, the cool part. It didn't take us three years to turn that uh, division around. When you have clarity about your future, it accelerates your pursuit of the future. We turned that division around. We went from number 14 to number one, not in three years, but in a year and a half. We were number one in revenue growth. We were the fastest wow. division in the company. We went to number one in our profit margin, and everybody maxed out their bonuses. If you fast forward nine years later, when I left the company after we sold it to Tom or to uh, HarperCollins, that division had been number one every year since that happened back in 2001. So that's the power of having clarity about the future and having it in a vision script. Yes. Okay. So when we think about new entrepreneurs, people that are in their first few years of business and they're just getting started, I know one of the things they're going to tell me is, well, Amy, I don't even know. I don't know what our vision is. We're just getting started. All of this feels so new and overwhelming and so many questions are circling around in their head. So how could a new entrepreneur get clear with a vision when they're just starting out? Oh, I so love that question. Well, first of all, clarity is something that's going to grow over time. So as you begin to approach the future, as you get a different vantage point, you're going to get more clear on it. But you wouldn't get in the car uh, without some destination in mind. I mean, it may be vague. You know, you may know the general neighborhood you're headed to, but you'd have some destination in mind. In fact, I would say the essence of leadership, and this is particularly important if you have a team, even if it's a small team, but the essence of leadership is that you are leading people somewhere, and that somewhere is the destination. But here's the cool thing. I've really tried to break it down in the book so that it's a recipe, so that anybody can do this. You have to kind of trust the process, but I, I, I make this quote all the time. You've probably heard me qu uh, quote this. I don't know who said it, but thoughts disentangle themselves, passing over the lips and through pencil tips. There's a power in writing that brings you clarity. Again, you don't have to have picture-perfect clarity. You don't have to have 20-20 vision. All you need is an idea of where you're trying to go. It's going to get clearer over time but you got to start with something. Okay. I love this because my own coach, my, my weight loss coach, she has me journaling every day and I don't necessarily love to journal, but I've been doing it. And you're right because just putting pen to paper, so much clarity comes from that. Just, just mm -hmm. the exercise of doing it regularly. Well, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I used to have people, they would ask me a question. Well, what do you think about this? And I would say to them, I said, I don't know. Cause I haven't blogged on that yet. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not till I start to write it down that I know what I think. Yeah, it's so true. So guys, if you, if you get the book and you start to do the exercises and you get stuck at all with your vision, first of all, maybe it might just be for a week or so you are just journaling about what you want and what you see for your business and what, what it means to you. And I think that just through journaling, some clarity can come around this as you start to put together your vision. 
We are online marketers, which means we have unique needs. And there are so many options out there for paid media. Sometimes it's hard to figure out where should you go to reach your ideal audience. But here's the thing. Have you thought about LinkedIn ads? LinkedIn ads empowers marketers with solutions for you and your customers, and it allows you to build the right relationships and drive results and reach your customers with meaningful content. You do not want to sleep on LinkedIn ads. And here's the thing, 79% of content marketers said LinkedIn produces the best results for paid media. I hear it from so many of my peers, and I know you're doing important work. And with that, you want to make sure that the work you're doing is getting in front of the right people. And that's what LinkedIn ads will allow you to do. So let your marketing efforts connect with the right audience and get a $100 credit on your next campaign. So if you go to linkedin.com slash Amy, you can get that $100 credit. So that's linkedin.com slash Amy. Terms and conditions apply. I know you're focused on marketing and selling your digital products, but I know many of you also have physical products and I wanna talk about Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is a user-friendly commerce platform that helps you, my dear online entrepreneur, build an online store and make more sales at any stage of your business. They're the force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other businesses at every size. Let me tell you why Shopify is an online entrepreneur's dream platform. It's because it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout experience. In fact, it converts 36% better compared to other leading e-commerce platforms. Yeah, loving that. And I don't know about you, but as an online entrepreneur, my customer's experience, especially when it comes to checking out, is so important. Plus, not only do they support your customers, they support you as the entrepreneur. Shopify's award-winning help desk is there to support your success through every question and every step of the way. There's a reason Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash made easy all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash made easy now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash made easy. Now, you know, I like to make it really tactical. And I think your book 100% does that with literally a formula of how to put the vision together. But you talk about these these two questions. Does your vision inspire and is it practical? So once my listeners sit down and they actually create their vision, these are the two questions you want them to ask. So can you kind of give me a little bit further confirmation about these two and what they need to look for? Yeah. Well, first of all, let me just say that that just a little bit more definition, if you don't mind, on the vision script. You're going to write this out based on four components. You're going to talk about the, the, the vision or the future that you have for your team. You know, what are the kind of people that you want to attract? What's the kind of culture that you want to create? What do you want to be it to be like inside your company? Because your dream is going to require a team to achieve it. And in fact, if your dream doesn't require a team, you're not dreaming big enough. So if you dream and you got a team, that team is going to be the mechanism or the, the way in which you're going to bring that future uh, into reality. So you got to think about the future of your team, then the future of your product. And again, you might be at the very beginning, you may just have a vague idea, maybe it's a course that you want to create, 
but something, describe that product that you want to create. And Amy, I encourage people to describe it in terms of the transformation you're trying to create. People don't buy products per se, a widget or a product or a service. They're buying a transformation that they hope to get by means of that uh, product. And so describe that in that section. Then the marketing, how do you anticipate getting to the market? And you got to kind of suspend disbelief. You know, maybe you don't have that big of, a, of an email list. Maybe you don't have that much of a social media platform, but this is just all dreaming. Suspend disbelief and imagine a future that's bigger than better than, than what you have right now. And then the fourth component is the future of your impact. You know, what is the size of the revenue? What is the size of your profitability? How big of a, a web presence do you have? What's your email list? Anything you can do to objectify that and describe it. There's huge power in putting pen to paper and writing that down and beginning to move towards it. That's that's the creation process. You have to think it, you have to write it, and then you be, have to begin to move toward it. Now, to get back to the two questions you ask, it's got to be inspirational. And the biggest test for that is this. Do you get excited about this future that you're envisioning? Because if you haven't bought it, you can't sell it. And you're going to need to sell it. You're going to need to sell it to people you're trying to attract to your company. Maybe you need a small business loan and you have to convince a banker. Maybe you need investors. Or maybe you're just trying to convince your, your customers. But if you're not enthusiastic about it, then you're not going to be able to sell it. And so I talk about a few ways that you can make sure that it's inspirational in the book. In fact, I, I think I have uh, four basic ideas there about inspiration. You know, what isn't, not what is. In other words, you got to see what could be, not what is currently. You're not looking for something, and this is the second thing, that's incremental, but something that's exponential. It's got to be, and you know when I talk about goals, I talk about them being in the discomfort zone. Yep. Same thing here. It's got to be something that's a little bit beyond reach, that stretches you, that ignites your imagination. Third thing, third characteristic of an inspiring vision, it needs to be risky, but not stupid. Okay? <laughs> so, like when we did the full focus planner, I know you're a fan of that. When yes. we did that, that was risky, but it wasn't stupid. We had a lot of publishing experience inside of my company, but there was a risk. You know, we had to, to pony up for the inventory and there were some supply chain things that we had to work out. It was risky, but it wasn't stupid. And then finally, the characteristic of an inspiring vision is that you focus on the what, not the how. I'll tell you, entrepreneurs make a huge mistake with this. They get the strategy before the vision. Vision always, and I mean always, comes first. The vision is the what, the strategy is the how. The how doesn't make sense till you know where you want to go. And at the beginning, you're probably not going to see the strategy. It's not going to be clear to you. And I tell the story in the book about the Wright brothers. And these are two guys that basically ran a bicycle repair shop. They had no trading in you know, aviation. They had no college education. They didn't even graduate from high school. The government had funded a couple of other organizations to invent manned flight. They had failed, but the Wright brothers had this passion. They could see it. They could taste it. They had this vision for manned flight. The rest is history. They did it when others couldn't. So give me an example of like if someone marketing, let's say a digital course, and how could they recognize that they put the strategy before the vision? If you start uh, throttling back your vision, because the only path you can see is, you know, the size of the email list you have. And you just, you just think, oh, I, I couldn't do that because I don't have a big enough email list or I don't have a big enough social oh. media platform. Okay. And forget all that because the right vision will attract 
the right strategy. It'll attract the right resources. But until you have the vision, none of that stuff's going to show up. Okay. So this is great because a lot of my students, when they're just starting out, they are creating digital courses and they're launching them online with webinars and three-part video series and all that good stuff. And they'll do a launch and they'll launch bombs, whether they follow everything they're supposed to do or not, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And would you say that that could very clearly possibly be tied to the lack of vision? It could be. Yeah, not Um, always, I I know, but how might it be tied to that? Well, I I would say that a vision is a necessary but not sufficient condition of success. Okay. Let me say it again. A vision is a necessary but not sufficient condition of success. So you got to have a vision. You got to have a clarity about what you're trying to create out there. But then you've also got to do things like, you know, be able to focus, use the right strategy and execute against that. So I know a lot of entrepreneurs who have clarity about what they want. They just have a difficult time executing, but it does go back to the vision. And I would be clear about the vision. And then you've got an opportunity to change strategies. If the strategy doesn't work, try something else. You know, I, I get accused of this, and I don't know if you you do as well, but uh, people say, well, gosh, you know, it must be easy for you because everything works. Right. Look, <laughs> the things that work for me are the ice, the part of the iceberg that you can see above the water. I've got tons of stuff that doesn't work. The thing that, that does work for me is I am bulldog tenacious. If one thing doesn't work, I go to another strategy. If that strategy doesn't work, I go to another strategy. I just don't give up. But that's the value of a vision. If you have a vision that you're excited about, that you're really compelled to achieve, then that's going to motivate you when you want to quit. And I tell the story in the book about these guys that founded this company called SwiftKey. And I don't know if you've ever used that app. You can use it on the iPhone. But it basically uses artificial intelligence and allows you to swipe the keys rather than type them. Mm -hmm. And it predicts what you're going to type. It's really cool. So when this company was starting, there were three partners. And one of the partners, after two months, sold his stock to the other two partners for the equivalent of what it would cost to buy a bicycle. Five years later, the two partners that were surviving sold SwiftKey to Microsoft for $230 million. (gasps) Stop. (laughs) And so the partner that got out, he said it was the worst, I mean, talk about understatement, the worst business decision he ever made. But he couldn't see it. He didn't have the vision. You know, he he let himself just give up in the messy middle. And we're all going to face that. There's always going to be the resistance. There are going to be the challenges to the vision. But that's why it's got to be inspirational and why it's got to be compelling. Yes. Okay. I could see that for sure. I want to talk about this idea of the vision. Is it practical? But before yeah. we get there, I do have a question. When you when you write this vision, I could see how it's the the one thing that can keep you going when things aren't going as planned, when when the launches don't happen as planned, when you're not hitting the goals, going back to that vision. I could see that keeping me moving forward. Do you communicate the vision with, of course, your team, but do you communicate it with your audience as well, or is this an internal document? Yeah, it's more of an internal document. Okay. You know, this is going to be something you're going to share parts of this with people that you're trying to recruit, you know, whether it's uh, prospective employees, the right vision will attract the right employees and, and repel the wrong ones. It also acts as a filter. And, and this is really important too. a uh, little bit of a rabbit trail, but, but uh, the vision acts as a filter. So as you become successful, you start attracting opportunities, right? I mean, you've got more opportunities today than you did 10 years right, ago. Right. And and all of a sudden you have a deluge of opportunities. But the problem is, is that distractions often come disguised as opportunities. 
And unless you have a vision, there's no difference. There's no way to discern the difference between those two. A vision helps you say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. So to go back to the 80s, I started a book publishing company back in the 80s with a business partner. And we had some initial success. We published a New York Times bestseller that was on the list for about four months. It generated an enormous amount of cash and brought to us a ton of business opportunities, authors that wanted to be published, publishing projects of various kinds, but we didn't have a vision. So we started publishing not just adult books, which is why we got into business, but we started publishing children's books, reference books, gift books, and pretty soon our focus was fractured, our attention was diverted, our resources were spread over too many different projects, and we went bankrupt five years after we started, not because we didn't have enough opportunity, but because we didn't have enough vision. And we had no mechanism for saying no to the wrong things. We just said yes to everything. And that can that can destroy you as fast as anything. Yeah. Okay. That's a great example. All right. So that that definitely makes sense for me then. Okay. So we've got this idea of the, or we now understand that the vision must inspire. Talk to me about the vision must be practical. The vision is great, but like I said, it's not uh, a sufficient condition for success. You've got to be able to translate that down. You've got to create linkage between your vision and your daily tasks. So what I encourage people to do in the book is to start with the vision script, but that vision script should inform your annual goals, which should inform your quarterly goals, which should inform your weekly objectives, which should inform your daily tasks. And because you're a user of the Full Focus Planner, you see a lot of this show up you know, inside of that planner. So we encourage people to list their annual goals at the front of the planner, then to break that down into quarterly goals, no more than three goals per quarter, and then no more than three objectives per week, and no more than three big three daily tasks each day. And there's a clear line of sight from your daily to-dos to your vision. This has a practical impact of keeping people from getting overwhelmed. You know, there's so many celebrity entrepreneurs out there who are encouraging people to do what I call the hustle fallacy, which is work 70, 80 hours a week. But But the reason they're doing that is because they don't have a vision, because they're just throwing mud on the wall. They're trying everything. But once you have a vision, all of a sudden you can decide, hey, not everything is of equal weight. You know, I don't have to do everything. I only have to do a few things well, the high leverage things, focus on those and I'll drive growth. This is why our company, and I know your company has been fast growth too, but our company this last year grew over 60%. I took 162 days off last year. Wow. And so I don't I don't have to work that hard. I, ha- I hate to admit it. I sound like a little bit of a slacker, but I rarely work more <laughs> than 40 hours a week. Oh, it's and the so re- great. And the reason for that is because I'm, I'm focused and the vision gives me a way to stay focused on the high leverage stuff and say no to everything else. Okay. So I got to tell you guys, there's two people that I talk about a lot on my podcast and just in my videos and my momentum membership. They all know this. I talk about Marie Forleo a lot. And I talk about you, Mr. Michael Hyatt, a lot. Like your name comes up as though we're related. And so we are, we are, we are. I always say, I want to be the, I want to be your daughter and I know I'm going to be the oldest. I'll be okay with that, but I want to be in the family. You know, I say that every time. (laughs) I know we've, we've got 
got the adoption papers ready for you to sign. <laughs> I cannot wait. So with that, the reason, guys, that I choose Michael and Marie to follow as mentors is because both of them, and I didn't realize it till now, now that your book came out, now that I understand this idea of the vision, both of them have a very clear vision because both of them do not hustle And Marie has this saying, get on the no train. So she's always like, get on the no train. You should not be saying yes to everything. And I do believe that. And you too, you've always been against that hustle mentality. And that's really cool that you've come out to say that when we know many people in our industry, they're making lots of money with that message. Well, and I tell you the thing that that is alarming to me is I see a lot of these young entrepreneurs and, and some of you are probably listening to this podcast right now. That uh, if you're not careful, you're going to compromise your health and you're going to end up in a health crisis or you're going to compromise your marriage or your Mm -hmm. most important relationships and you're going to end up in a relational crisis. And I'm just going to tell you, it's just not worth it. I bought into that fallacy early in my career. I almost destroyed my health. I almost destroyed my family. I've been married now for almost, I I hate to say this. I hate to say it because it makes me sound old, (laughs) but uh, I've been married for almost 42 years. Uh. I've got a great relationship with my wife, as you know, Amy. Yes, you do. But that doesn't happen by accident. And I had to course correct early in my career, but it was really about the same time that I discovered this vision thing about 20 years ago and said, you know, either I design the future or I'm going to drift to a destination I would not have chosen. And I see people doing that all the time, just incrementally, little by little, without a vision, they drift to a health crisis or a relational crisis. And no business is worth sacrificing your health or your most important relationships on the altar of your ambition. I mean, amen. Guys, you've got to listen to this. Michael really does walk the talk and one of the major reasons why he's such a mentor of mine. But Michael, one thing I just realized, watching your business over the last few years, I mean, having 60% growth, you have, I feel like you've always had a vision, but even recently, I feel like your business has changed dramatically and you guys are doing all these new things. When do you know that your vision can change? Like your vision today has to be very different than 10 years ago, right? Yeah, totally. Well, it's kind of like this, you know, we begin the strategic planning process, which may sound like a scary thing to, to a lot of people, but we go through a formal strategic planning process that uh, basically takes up a, a week of our executive time where we get together and we really think through this. It always begins with a vision. But as we're considering the vision uh, script that we prepared last year, now all of a sudden we're a year closer to the realization. We have a different vantage point that we did uh, last year. And sometimes, you know, when you're driving toward the mountains, you see some big mountain and you can't see anything behind it. That's all you can see. But as you get close to it, as you begin to go up in altitude, you realize that that's just the first mountain in the range. There's not only other mountains behind the mountain you originally thought was the mountain, but sometimes there's entire mountain ranges behind that. And that's what it's been for us. You know, as we've moved towards a clear vision of the future, we've realized there's other things that we want to pursue that were behind that, that we couldn't see before, but now become really important. So, you know, revising, tweaking, adjusting your vision is a necessary part of it. And it happens, you know, strategy, uh, that adjustment happens more often, but vision at least once a year on a formal basis is something you really want to reconsider and ask, you know, what's changed in the environment? What's our heart telling us? What seems to be working? Do we want to adjust this in any way? And you can. I love that. So just know you can always grow. Your vision can change over time. You And I know for some of my aspiring and brand new entrepreneurs listening, 
just get it started. Get something on paper, get it going, follow the formula in the book so it can guide you. And then you can always make it better and tweak it and really grow along with your vision. So that part is definitely, it's not set in stone is what I want my audience to hear today. That's right. Also, there's this idea that your vision has to sell, right? Like there, talk to me about this idea that your vision has to sell and what that looks like. Well, first, the thing we have to realize is that this isn't a once and done process. We don't just like come up with a vision, put it in the, on the shelf and forget about it. No, a vision is a living document. And the only voice that vision has is yours. And if you're not constantly speaking the vision into existence, people lose context. They get disconnected from that vision and their work becomes just kind of a grind. And it's up to you to connect that vision. And I remember during the Great Recession, when I was so tired of talking about the vision and I felt a little bit like a phony because I was selling a future that I wasn't even sure I believed in anymore because of the economic downturn. Remember my executive coach said, when you're tired of talking about the vision, you're half done. You need to keep selling it because, and my friend Andy Stanley says this, vision leaks. People constantly have to be reminded why you're doing what you're doing. We we did an um, annual team uh, meeting day, which we do every year in early January. And I had one of our newest employees. She'd been with us for three months in customer service. She came up to me. I'm not making this up. She had tears in her eyes. And she said to me, after I'd read the entire vision script to the team, by the way, with enthusiasm, she said, <laughs> she said to me, thank you so much. Now I get it. You connected the dots for me. I understand why my work matters. And I'd totally gotten lost in all the complaints, all the stuff that I have to deal with in customer service. But you helped me see why it matters. Well, that's your job as a leader to constantly be selling that vision and getting people to believe in it. Because until it happens, the only place it exists is in your head and in the words that you give. So I think a couple of things are important when it comes to selling the vision. First of all, and I said this earlier, you've got to be sold. People are not going to buy what you haven't bought. You've got to buy what you're selling. You're the first and most important customer. Number two, I think, is to realize, and this is just marketing 101. I probably learned this from you, but everybody on the planet is tuned in to this radio station called WIIFM. What's in it for me? (laughs) And so you've got to sell the vision in terms of what's in it for them, not you, but what's in it for them. So when you're talking to your contractors or you're talking to your employees or you're talking to your boss, if you're working for somebody else, or if you're talking to an investor, you've got to ask yourself the question, what's in this for them? How can I sell the future of my company to them in a way that makes them a stakeholder and makes them buy in? And that's kind of the hard intellectual work before you start selling it. Oh, so good. So good. What happens when you put together your vision and you start to sell it, whether to yourself or to your team, but you come up against some resistance, which I think is normal, right? Sometimes when you put together that vision, somewhere or another, there's going to be some resistance. That that never's happened to me. <laughs> you big liar. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, that happens every, I mean, you know, Stephen Pressfield wrote a book called The War of Art. And in it, he talks about this thing called the resistance. And I, it's one of the best books I've ever read. I read it like once a year just for inspiration. But he says, anytime you're trying to make an improvement, I don't care if it's weight loss, or you're trying to improve your marriage, or you're trying to scale your business, 
you're going to immediately, once you get the vision, you're going to immediately encounter the resistance. And all we have to think about is weight loss. You know, I, I didn't really care about cookies until I started going <laughs> on a weight loss program. And now that's all I want to eat. Right, right. So you get this resistance. And so the more vivid the vision is and the more concrete it is, and I talk about that in a chapter called, "What you know, is it clear? But um, the more vivid it is, the more concrete it is, the more you can stay the course. And so tenacity is one of the most important things that has to show up. When you've got a clear vision, you're much less likely to quit. And all of us are going to hit that messy middle where we've got too much invested to quit, but we're not sure we've got the strength or what it's going to take to finish. But tenacity is usually what you need to get from point A to point B, just to stay in it, trust the process, and keep working toward the vision. It's also going to take integrity. And I find that almost every vision that I've pursued there's going to be a temptation to compromise your integrity in some way. And so back, for example, when I was trying to turn that division of Thomas Nelson around, I came back, I shared the vision with everybody. Everybody was pumped. 30 days into it, the author of the biggest book that we were going to publish that year flipped out. I mean, basically went crazy, was <laughs> spouting all kinds of nonsense. And so I had to make a decision whether we were going to pull the book or not, because I knew she was going to be a disaster when she was interviewed, because just what she was saying wasn't I mean, literally mental problems. And so my boss said to me, he said, well, why don't we just publish the books? Okay. You know how she is, isn't going to matter. And I said, no, I think, I think it's bigger than that. This is, this is going to subject us to ridicule and all that. He said, I think you better go home and think about this. I mean, it was kind of threatening. So I went home and talked with Gail and I said, babe, I said, this is my dream job. And if I don't go along with my boss, I, I really think I stand a big chance of, of losing my job. And she said, honey, you cannot compromise your integrity. You've got to do the right thing, the right thing for the company overall, even if he can't see it and the right thing for you for sure. So I went back and I told him, I said, look, I'm not trying to grandstand, but this is not in our best interest. We can't publish this book. If you want to, that's your prerogative, but I'm going to have to resign. And I mean, I was scared to yeah. when I said that. He said to me, he said, I think you better go back to your office and give this some more thought because I don't think you're thinking clearly about it. So I went back to my office. I told my executive assistant, I said, you need to get some boxes from the facilities department. We need to pack me up because I think I'm done. <laughs> oh, no. I, mean, I, I really thought I was done. So get this. So 30 minutes later, I get a phone call from my boss's boss, who is the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers. He said to me, he said, your boss just explained to me the situation, but I want to hear your side of the story. Why do you think we need to pull the book? So I explained my reasons. He said, uh, what is this going to cost us financially? I said, well, we have a million dollar advance, royalty advance to the author, and we're counting on about three to $4 million worth of revenue. So that's how much we're going to lose. So he paused for a little bit and he said, do it. You're doing the right thing. Pull the book. Wow. I couldn't believe it. So I was so thrilled. Now my immediate boss wasn't so excited, but within about 30 days, I was reporting to the CEO anyway, so it didn't matter. But now all of a sudden, now get where we at, we're at. We have this vision. Now all of a sudden, we're three to $4 million behind because we had to pull this book. So talk about the resistance. But this galvanized the team. When they saw this response, when they saw us respond in integrity, stick to our guns, stay on vision, everybody doubled their work. And, and again, I think it was integral to us turning that division around in half the time that I had told the CEO originally. But that brings me to a third point. And I'll finish with this, but tenacity, integrity, and then just courage. You know, I think when you encounter the resistance, it's just going to, it's going to require that you do it scared. And, and one of the things I learned from Dan Sullivan 
is that courage and confidence look the same on the outside, but they feel very different on the inside. You know, courage means that you're willing to do it even when you're afraid, you know, to, to step up on that stage, to launch that course, to launch those, you know, pre-launch videos, you're thinking to yourself, what if I fail? Right. Or, you know, maybe I don't, I don't have what it takes. Maybe nobody wants this product, but courage means despite the fact that you have the fear and everybody feels afraid at that point, you just put one front of, foot in front of another, trust the process and go ahead and do it. Uh, I think that's the message that my audience needs to hear the most, this confidence and courage and what that really means. And I really do believe that a vision will help you find first that courage. So yes. I, I, I'm so glad that we've gotten to talk about it. And I was hoping we could talk about vision in a way that would be for even the new entrepreneur, those that are listening, that have been in the business for a while, and they they know that their business is growing, they need this book 100%. But also, I at first, Michael, when I invited you on, I thought, I wonder if my aspiring entrepreneurs will see the value in it. And I think if, if I don't toot our own horns, I think we did a very good job of saying, even when you're starting out, where the value of a vision comes into growing your business. Do you think we, do you think we nailed it? <laughs> I, I, I hope so, because I, I really think there's such huge resistance. You know, it's so easy to fail as an entrepreneur. And I really think the difference maker is a vision. It'll give you a competitive advantage against the people that don't have a vision. It'll give you confidence because when you have clarity, you have confidence. It's going to give you a filter to be able to say no to the things that you don't need to be saying yes to. And it's going to accelerate your momentum because when you're clear on the vision, you don't have to go down cul-de-sacs and detours. It's a straighter line, not a straight line, but it's a straighter line from where you are to where you want to go. It's an easier path. It's not easy, but it's easier with a vision than without one. Amen to that. And I will tell you guys, after 11 years in business, I wish, this is one of the things I wish this book was around when I was first starting out, when literally when I first left corporate and started this. So Michael, where should everybody go to grab a copy of The Vision Driven Leader? Well, the best place to go, first of all, buy it from any retailer you want, amazon.com, Barnes and Noble, your local retailer doesn't matter. Go to your favorite retailer, then go over to visiondrivenleader.com slash Amy. This is a landing page that we created for your listeners. On it, you're going to get over $600 in bonuses free when you submit your receipt there. You're going to get the Vision Driven Leader audiobook that I read that'll be available for sale on Audible, but you're going to get it free. You're going to get the ebook of my previous book, Free to Focus. You're going to get invited into our private Facebook group. Where we're going to be doing vision coaching calls with individuals so that you can see how it's done and see real live examples. And here's the coolest part of all. You're going to get access to a free tool called the Vision Scripter. And this is like an online artificial intelligence tool that walks you through the process of creating your vision script. It's going to prompt you. It's going to ask you questions. And if you just trust the process and go through that vision script or tool, you will end up with a vision script that is 85 to 90% done and ready for you to take to your team for further input. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is good stuff. So visiondrivenleader.com forward slash Amy. Is that right? 
That's it. Okay, perfect. Guys, go do this. Grab the book, then go to visiondrivenleader.com forward slash Amy, get all the bonuses. I'm going to link to the book in the show notes so you all can go grab your copy. But Michael, thank you so very much. First of all, congrats on the book. I think it's going to change so many businesses, so many lives. And thank you so much for being a true mentor of mine for so many years. Oh, thanks, Amy. I appreciate it so much. Thanks again. Have a great day. Thank you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I have. I absolutely love Michael Hyatt. But before I wrap up, a final note about those bonuses that you can find at visiondrivenleader.com forward slash Amy when you order the book. These bonuses will only be available through Saturday, April 11th, 2020. After that, they disappear. So head on over to visiondrivenleader.com forward slash Amy before April 11th to get those wonderful extra bonuses from Michael. All right, guys, have a wonderful day. Can't wait to talk to you same time, same place next week. Bye for now.